0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Scripture reading this afternoon is Luke chapter 7, the verses 36 through 50. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who learned that Jesus was... Eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's turn then to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and we'll read the verses 17 through 34. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each one goes, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I pass, also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. The text this afternoon is God's Word. As we have it summarized, as we confess it in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 30, question and answer is 81 and 82. The second part of Lord's Day 30. Question 81 asks, Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins, and yet trust that these are forgiven them, and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and amend their life. But hypocrites and those who do not repent, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Are those also to be admitted to the Lord's Supper who by their confession and life show that they are unbelieving and ungodly? No, for then the covenant of God would be profaned and his wrath kindled against the whole congregation. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and his apostles, the Christian church is duty bound to exclude such persons by the keys of the kingdom of heaven until they amend their lives. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though we live in a fast food age, the connection between sharing a meal and hospitality isn't lost on us completely. We can understand that having someone over for dinner is a gesture of friendship. It's a gesture of hospitality. And so also the Lord's Supper is a gesture or is the assurance of the Lord's fellowship with us. The Lord invites us to have fellowship with Himself at His table. Yet when we read Lord's Day 30, we read that not everyone is invited. Not everyone may come. And so we ask ourselves, why not? Lord's Day 30 asks this question, who are to come to the tables of table of the Lord. And if you ask this question today, if you were at someone's house for supper, for example, you would probably start an argument. It's a hot button question. Those who are invited sometimes let it go to their heads as if they deserve to be there and they gloat over others whom they have decided do not deserve to be there. Those who are excluded tend to become very upset and wonder. They demand who are the elders of this church to tell me whether or not I can come to this table. It's up to me. It's between me and, and my God. Don't tell me where to go. And so the consistory has this been given by the, by the scriptures and we read it in the confessions that This weighty responsibility even to admit some people to the table and to exclude others. And we ask, how do you know who to admit and who to exclude? How do the others know who may participate in this fellowship? On the other hand, how do you know for yourselves whether you may participate in this fellowship? Well, the answer really does not have its origin in simply what the elders want or even what you find in your own hearts. The answer actually confronts us with the Lord's own hospitality. We all want to know and we all need to know what Christ said about who has a place at this table. And that's the subject of Lord's Day 30. And so I, the, the theme of the sermon this afternoon is who may come to the Lord's Supper? We'll see firstly that those who, who seek their life in Christ are received in grace. And secondly, that the unbelieving and the ungodly are excluded from this supper, this Lord's Supper. So first, those who seek their life in Christ. The question about who may come, if you look through the history of this question and how it's been answered, you would see that it's caused a lot of anxiety and fear in the hearts of Christian people in the past. Before the Reformation, for example, the Roman Catholic Church taught that you had to be without sin to come to the Lord's table. The Lord will not sit with sinners. So you needed to find yourself in a state of grace if you were going to come to Lord's Supper. And the way to do that was by praying to saints. By going to confession. By doing penance somehow to find yourself in a state of grace. All these rituals. Of course, many people who did these things still came in a state of anxiety. Did that really put me in a state of grace? Am I really worthy to eat with this holy God? It's not limited to the Roman Catholic Church. Of course, Protestants have similar tendencies. Some Protestants think that they need to see a sign from heaven. And that means God will allow them to come to the Lord's Supper. Or they need to have some kind of special experience that proves to you all that I deserve to be here. God has uh, especially appointed me to sit there. Still others of us come to the table, but... Still nervous about it and worried because when we examine ourselves as we ought and we stand here naked before God, it's very difficult to convince ourselves that God would accept us who we are. Who am I to approach this holy God? These are the kinds of approaches that have made Christian people anxious. They make us anxious because they begin with what we find in ourselves. What we would expect. The way we would treat people. What we expect to find in our guests at our tables. We judge ourselves based on our own hospitality and our own and what we can do for ourselves our own worthiness. Yet, we read Luke chapter 7 and and there we found that the Lord Jesus had no problem to sit beside a prostitute at supper. The Lord shows us that His hospitality is so much different from ours. So much different from that Pharisee in whose house He ate. The Lord Jesus invited to a dinner party it was hosted by a prominent pharisee and jesus was invited probably because the pharisees and the leaders in this town uh, recognized that jesus had some prominence the people looked up to him he had a, a big following so they they invited him to this party this dinner party and there he sits with all these notable and highly respected people in the community And then while Jesus is reclining at the table, something happens that makes everyone stop and look. This is going to test who Jesus is. Something embarrassing, awkward is about to happen. There's going to be a confrontation. A prostitute walks through the front door towards the table and she doesn't belong there and everybody knows it. What will Jesus do when the prostitute approaches Him? How will He respond? The guests begin to wonder whether Jesus is really a prophet. The host of the party, the Pharisee, says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know that this woman is a prostitute and he wouldn't let her touch Him because she's making Him unclean. He doesn't seem to notice or to know that. Maybe he's not really who he says he is. Maybe he's not a prophet at all. And it's not as if the Pharisee is making this up. As if he's making it seem worse than it is. The text does not apologize for this woman. She is a sinner. She's a prostitute. She is unclean. She has lived a sinful life. And it's because of all of these things that the Pharisee wants her out. But Jesus is different than the Pharisees. He's different than this Pharisee. Though Jesus is not the host because the house doesn't belong to Him, it belongs to this Pharisee. Yet, the Lord welcomes the prostitute and allows her to sit beside Him And to share his spot at the table. Well, what was it about the Lord's hospitality that allows Him to do that? To invite this sinful woman to sit with Him? Is it because He's ignoring her sins? No. Jesus saw her approach Him in faith and in love. Jesus saw her approach him in a way that showed that she expected forgiveness from him and she had confidence to walk towards him because of what she knew he could do for her he trust she trusted him so the lord welcomes her because she came to him in repentance and faith And so the way the Lord welcomes this prostitute also teaches us about who the Lord will also welcome and accept and receive at the Lord's Supper. That's the same message that the Lord gave His own disciples when they celebrated the first Lord's Supper together. Luke chapter 22, the disciples begin a debate about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Lord teaches them that being at His table, a being in His kingdom, has nothing to do with being worthy in yourself. He tells them the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. But you're not like that. You're to be different. He tells them the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. And so the Catechism summarizes the Lord's approach. To who may come to the Lord's Supper with these three parts. You can come if you hate sin. Especially the sin in your own life. You can come if you hate sin. You can come if you love the Lord Jesus and want to do His will more and more every day. Got to hate sin, love the Lord, and want to do the Lord's will more and more every day. We often summarize these three parts by saying you have to find yourself, your life in Christ. Recognize that it's not about you. Find yourself in Christ." Lord's Day 30 continues in answer 81 with those who come but who are uninvited. That happens. People come uninvited. So what do we do with people like that? What about hypocrites? People who pretend to find their lives in Christ but who do not. They come to the table of the Lord. They participate in the Lord's Supper. Or sometimes people in the church fall into sins and they don't want to repent. They don't believe they did anything wrong. Maybe they're self-righteous. Or maybe an unrepentant person thinks he can have it both ways. He can act one way when he's at work. doesn't matter if I steal. It doesn't matter if I rip people off. As long as I act like a Christian when I'm at church or at home, that should be just fine. And who are you to tell me how I should live my life? How I should do my job? And the person hardens himself in his sins and he's unwilling to confess them. Unwilling to change. And so he believes that he still has a place at the table of the Lord. If you are A hypocrite or unrepentant. The apostle Paul has this serious warning for you. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 29 says that if you dare to celebrate the forgiveness that God has given in the blood of his own son while being unrepentant, you will be judged by God. If you dare to mock the Lord's Supper by eating and drinking while not really trusting in Christ, God will judge you. And then the food that was meant to nourish and refresh your soul will be poison to you. It will destroy you. And so our prayer for you is that you hear the warning and listen. And we will pray that that this warning shakes you back to your senses so that you realize that you don't have a life in yourself. That you need Christ You need to approach Him in repentance and faith. You need to ask Him for forgiveness. But, but to you who have faith, you who find your life in Christ, don't think you have to be perfect. It's not about that. Don't think you need to see a sign in the skies to celebrate Lord's Supper. God knows you. He knows who you are. He knows the things you've done. He sees that you are sorry for your sins. He knows that you trust in Christ. He knows that you approach Him because you know the power of the cross. He sees that in you. And He sees in you that though you sin, you want more and more to do the will of God. And when He sees that in you, the Lord Jesus is not ashamed to make room for you at His table. He wants you to sit beside Him at His supper. The Bible is warning hypocrites. The Bible is warning the unrepentant. The ungodly. The Bible says they should stay away. Well, the next question is, yes, this is a warning to those people to stay away. Well, this next question in 82, question and answer 82, asks, should these people be admitted? It's a little bit of a different question. Should the church, should the elders of this church charged with oversight simply allow hypocrites, unrepentant and unbelieving people to eat and drink judgment on themselves. Does it really matter to the rest of you that these people are participating in the Lord's Supper? Some people have argued it doesn't matter. What's it to us? It's a personal thing. So who cares if they come? Let them do that to themselves and leave them alone. Yet the Catechism in Lord's Day 30 says it does matter if they come. It matters, the Catechism says, because such people who participate in the Lord's Supper profane the covenant of God. The church has the responsibility to ensure that the covenant is not profaned. What does that mean? What does it mean to profane the covenant? Isaiah 1 shows us What it means, the Lord accuses Judah of trampling the courts of his temple. He tells them, stop bringing me offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. And the reason that the Lord hates their sacrifices is that they don't live according to the covenant that was made through those sacrifices, through that blood. And He tells them, you can't willfully live ungodly lives. And then make sacrifices as though you want to live in covenant with God. You can't do that. Live in a way that's unfaithful. And then come as if you are faithful. That's how they profaned the covenant of God. They mixed the holy with the unholy. And that's the Apostle Paul's charge against God's people in Corinth too. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says to the church in Corinth, you cannot eat at the table of demons and at the table of the Lord. You can't worship idols and God. Paul says you try it and you're going to arouse the Lord's jealousy. He says you are consecrated. Christ's blood was sprinkled on you. You are set apart. So worship God alone. And this charge is followed by something similar in, in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11. Paul says that they may not eat the bread and drink the cup in an unworthy manner. What was unworthy about the way they they took the bread and the wine? Well, they, they came to the Lord's Supper. Yet they treated each other in a worldly way. They treated each other according to customs that were not in accordance with what the Lord's Supper signifies. What Christ's death means for them. And so Paul says, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. So Paul challenges them. Do you despise the church of God? Do you humiliate those who have nothing? Paul challenges them because they go to the table to celebrate God's grace while refusing to show grace to each other. challenges the way they share in Christ's sacrifice. And then while celebrating, they create divisions among themselves according to His money and who does not. They profane the table by mixing these worldly attitudes with the Lord's Supper. The Lord is merciful. That's true. And He's welcoming to sinners. That's true. But hear this warning that there is a limit to His welcome. You cannot be self-serving, arrogant, and violent and expect the Lord to welcome you as if you were faithful and loving. You can't want to live in a way that rejects Christ and the forgiveness He offers and expect to be welcomed at the Lord's Supper. And then Paul gives this. Important, necessary, yet very, very difficult task of judging for ourselves. And the task is so important, he says, you must do it so that you are not judged by God. So important it is to judge each other. Judge ourselves. This isn't new. This is the way it worked in the Old Testament too. If you read through the Old Testament, you would find that Israel couldn't win its battles after Jericho fell, after they entered the promised land. And God gave them victory over Jericho. The walls fell down and they went in and they they destroyed the city. And God said this, City is reserved for a curse. You may not have anything in this city. Leave it. Except one man, Achan, he stole something and then he lied about it. He said he didn't take anything even though he did and he hid it. The Lord told Joshua that he would not go into battle with Israel anymore and that they kept losing subsequent battles. Because Israel violated the covenant of God by stealing and lying. Israel did. Not Achan. God doesn't say Achan. And so notice that Israel is held responsible for what Achan did. And so today the church bears responsibility when one person violates God's covenant. And the elders of this church have a duty to make sure that God's covenant isn't being violated among us today. These elders of your church have been given authority from Christ. It's been entrusted to them to protect the holiness of God's covenant. And of course, this is not to say that it's all about what the elders say and do we'll just leave it up to the elders if we know about sin in this congregation the elders'll catch it they'll do something about it and we can just leave it where it is not true paul or the the bible says that each of us has a responsibility to each other so we also as members need to do that very difficult thing Approaching a brother or a sister who is sinning against God, it's hard. But you've gotta do it for their sake, because you love them. And so also, the way you approach a brother or a sister should also be appropriate to what the Lord's Supper signifies. We should also, so we should do so in a way that recognizes that we Seek our lives in Christ. We're no better than anyone else. We equally desire forgiveness of sins just like the sinning brother or sister. We equally despise ourselves. We equally equally need Christ to save us from our sins. That means we need humble attitudes in approaching each other. We need to show grace towards each other. The same grace that God shows us. And we need to recognize that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 32, that the point of judging ourselves is so that we will not be condemned with the world. If the church is exercising discipline, it's for your good. If the church does not exercise discipline, the sinner will continue on his destructive path. He'll die. Without God, lost in his sins, in darkness, condemned to the sorrows and the pain of hell. So when the when the elders uh, or when the members approach a sinner, it's to call them back, return to God, and live. And so the purpose of discipline is not to discourage you or to put God's people down. The purpose is that the, the people lost in sin might be received by Christ again. It's done in love. It's for your good. And that means that if you are challenged by members of this congregation, or when the elders tell you that maybe it's not such a good idea for you to participate this time, It's hard to take. But do not become discouraged or embarrassed. The reason is because they love you. They care for you. The reason is that they want you to taste and see what the Lord's Supper signifies and seals that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation That Jesus Christ is the only way to life. And so when we we look at Lord's Day 30, the second part of Lord's Day 30, we see it includes a warning and a challenge for Christ's church. We may not abuse the Lord's Supper. We may not abuse the Lord's hospitality and, and trample on this great celebration of God's mercy in Christ. But embrace The promise and the assurance. There is really nothing in ourselves that makes us worthy. We all come on the authority of Christ because Jesus said, you may come. I invite you. Come all who are, all who find your lives in Christ. What a comfort and assurance the Lord gives us all. The Lord welcomes us no matter who we are. And He welcomes us no matter what we've done, as long as we put our trust in Him. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.